Hi everybody and welcome to this new podcast. Today we've got something a little bit different and we're talking to Joyce Ong who is founder of Marketing Tech, a 360 marketing consultancy. And Joyce is also author of the Corporate SKP survey and the report on From Corporate SKP to Business Owner, What It Takes. So Joyce, welcome and thanks for joining me. Hi man, thank you for the introduction. Happy to be here. Great. Thanks a lot. It's really good. I'm, I'm absolutely fascinated by this survey, mainly you know, in the time that we're living in now with people either leaving their jobs or contemplating leaving their jobs and, and starting something different and maybe aspirational in their life. I think your study on corporate escapees and becoming business owners is really interesting. Thank you. I'm, I'm so glad you think so. And um, I hope that this piece of research that we've done, I hope that that will benefit um, future startups that are coming up every day, as, as we know, during the pandemic. Well, let me move to my first question then. So this is a really interesting and, and timely study. So what motivated you to undertake this survey and what do you see as its major outcomes? When I made the switch, so telling you a little bit about, share with you a little bit about my backstory and why I started uh, this research project. So when I made a switch from the corporate life, working in a bank, to starting my own business, I, I had no idea what it would be like. And uh, my family and friends were, they were mostly employed in professional jobs, so there was really no business model I had to rely on or a business mentor at the time when I started. So when I made a transition from the corporate life, I really had to rewire my brain to think in a different way as there were so many things I just simply took for granted, such as regular paid holidays, regular paycheck business trips, you know, you can name it. So these were the things I just took for, for granted. Uh, just before I started my own business. And although when I started my business, although there were loads of information about starting a business, a lot of that info was really all hyped up. It was full of hero stories, full of success stories, um, one-sided stories that didn't really provide a realistic view of what it was really like to start your own business. Mm. And as, as you and I know, the life of an average startup or, or business owner certainly isn't a fairy tale story or, or one of instant success or glamour. It was nothing like that at all. And so I wanted them to hear it from business owners themselves. We've actually been there and done it and then compile the insights in some way. And hopefully this will provide some learning and some value, not just for myself, but also for future startups. Mm -hmm. and, and there we were. I was in the midst of a pandemic at the time last year. And that was sometime in the summer. And obviously I had a bit of time to kill then being in a lockdown at the time, the university where I live was calling for local businesses to take on interns uh, for, for a funded project. Okay. And, and so I submitted my idea of a research project to the university. And before I knew it, I had three interns to mentor and, and then an idea to interview 100 business owners. And that was it, really. Um, and very luckily, the marketing campaigns that we started running 
to get business owners to actually come and talk to us. We ran these campaigns on LinkedIn, on Instagram, and on TikTok. And they were hugely successful as we had a lot of support for the idea. That, that's really interesting because this sounds like it just hit, you know, it just resonated with people that they must have gone through this process themselves or must have been contemplating it. So, yeah, really good timing in that respect. Yes, it was, I guess. Yeah. So I, I suppose I had to put an idea at the right time and I was in the right place and was lucky to get funding and to get some help as well. So what we did was um, we interviewed more than 100 UK business owners of various sizes from one employee to 150 employees. Mm. Um, and they all came forward with their time, their enthusiasm, and they shared their pains and victories as well. From there then, that part of the process, what were some of the major outcomes that you gained from that? It was great for me to hear the stories, to learn from them, and also to validate some of my own thinking about how important mm-hmm. it is to have the right mindset about starting out and running my own business And how important it is to be self-aware of our own weaknesses, our own strengths, and to lead in our own way, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. I think I I really like that concept of, uh, you know, what does it mean to have a mindset for starting up? Because we have often researched it in terms of an entrepreneurial mindset and and being risk-taking and being proactive and being innovative. But no, what you were saying about being self-aware of your strengths and limitations and what, that, what does that mean for you in starting up, that's, that's a very different type of mindset, I think, to what we've commonly studied in the past. Yeah, I, I would think so. I mean, I, I didn't graduate from a degree in entrepreneurship, but um, I think a lot of it can be learned from actually doing it yourself to actually starting it yourself mm. um, rather than rely on what the books tell you, which gives you a good start. But I think it's nothing compared to actually putting it into practice. That's my thinking anyway. Mm-hmm. So um, so yeah, so going back to to some of the research and the outcomes that you've asked me about, uh, some of the research we've done, in fact, told me that business owners uh, view investing in themselves and taking advice from others as one of the most important lessons learned from running a business. And um, yeah, and, and their main advice to startups who are thinking of escaping the nine to five and becoming a business owner is to, well, first of all, uh, invest in yourselves and to take advice so you can cultivate the right mindset. Uh, and the second thing was to plan and research the business that you want to start so that this will help you to make better business decisions. And thirdly, uh, sales, marketing and pitching uh, came up as the uh, skill sets that the business owner uh, and his or her team, if the business owner himself does not have these skills, then at least a team uh, should mm. have these skills or one or all of these skills. And these are all crucial uh, in actually helping the business through the challenges that they will face. Yeah, no, I think that's so crucial. It's um, it's one of those things that often gets um, overlooked. It, it reminds me of a piece of work I did a couple of years ago where we were looking at how important investing in marketing is. And you know, we were looking at large 
businesses in our study. But what we did find is that if you invest in marketing, you gain in shareholder value. And I think that lesson carries all the way through down to entrepreneurs, especially because they often don't do enough to invest in marketing because raising not just awareness of their business and their products, but also awareness of themselves. And in, in one of our previous, in one of my previous podcasts, I was talking to uh, Karen Lee Thompson about, she, she started the business in, in the COVID pandemic and how important it was to have your marketing campaign ready, have your social media campaign ready, have six months worth of social media content, for example, were all crucial parts in that, in that business startup and having, you know, investing in those skills was definitely very important. Mm, absolutely. I, I think marketing is a bit of an underrated skill um, in, especially in large corporations as well, I would say, in that it is long-term, medium to long-term strategy. Um, it doesn't bear fruit straight away and mm. uh, people, small businesses quite often don't view it as a necessity until it's a bit too late. Yes. I would say they would traditionally, they would view sales as a bit more important uh, for obvious reasons. They need the cash flow, but marketing is a nice to have, which until they need it, they don't think it's something they need to invest in. Mm. Um, and I see this during the pandemic as well, that people have come forward in my conversations with them and they've said, Joyce, you know, I've been running this business for 20 years. Um, word of mouth, you know, my business has grown through word of mouth. I've never had to do much marketing. Mm. Um, it's just networking and word of mouth. That's all I had to do to grow the business. And now all of a sudden I realize my leads have stopped coming in. Mm. Sales have dried out. And I realize I, I should have done my marketing six months ago. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that rings a bell, the, doesn't it? It's almost a little sad example, really, because it it shows that it's not something that you can turn on on and off like a tap. Because there's a bit of a lead time into this, into what you need to do to develop an effective marketing campaign and generate those leads that will help the business to to grow and and recover. Especially when you know, in the, in the case that you gave it's quite clear that because of you know, pandemic circumstances, some of your sales leads or historical sales may, you know, may dry up or, or we're still um, with us. So it's, yeah, it's definitely now more than ever, a very timely and important thing to, uh, to consider um, for entrepreneurial firms. Definitely. I'll have to say that it's still not too late. I mean, for those firms and small business businesses who still want to carry on in this pandemic, mm -hmm. who still see the light at the end of the tunnel, you know, to start marketing, to start planning their marketing activities now rather than, you know, sit and wait Absolutely. for when things start getting busy again. And then they'll start putting it on the back burner, sadly. This mm. is what will happen uh, if people wait. So I think the planning needs to start now, really. And this is the best time as ever to, yeah. to start now. Absolutely. And the other thing to go along with that is, by doing that now, you're capitalizing on some of the opportunities that are available because there are always opportunities, even in, in challenging 
and threatening times like this because you know people want to buy things but they want may want a different price a different quality or a different kind of service or being dis dissatisfied by their current providers so you know there are always opportunities to there and you know leveraging the entrepreneurial mindset investing in yourself investing in marketing skills allows you to communicate your business to those opportunities I think with this in mind, uh, maybe I can move to my second question then, which is, you know, making that leap from a corporate job or a nine to five job uh, or being an employee to becoming your own boss can be really rewarding, but obviously it's, it's not without risk. So what would you see as some of the motives for making this leap among your respondents and your interviewees? And what pitfalls or challenges did you find that they soon encountered? As for challenges, where do I start, Matt? <laughs> where do I even start? Well, it's safe to say, um, in a nutshell, that the entrepreneur journey can be a roller coaster ride. Um, and that's absolutely true. And we should all be prepared for it if that's what we're planning to do to start the business. Um, as for your um, mention about motives, what motivates them? What motivated them to start? Well, I'm going back to our interviews with the hundred or so business owners. Mm. And looking at the uh, interviews that we've had, it, it tells me that there really is no stereotypical profile of, of a corporate escapade escapee turned business owner um, they really come in all shapes and sizes so it's easy for people to assume that um, you know uh, as corporate escapees including myself started businesses because you know um, we've been made redundant or they've been made redundant or been fired from jobs of course that happens but that's really just one motive for starting mm -hmm. there are other motives um, such as carrying on a family tradition mm -hmm. because it's been in the family and therefore they want to carry on um, or to wanting more life balance uh, as in the case of um, uh, parents people who have become new parents um, that would mm. be a good motive for doing so uh, or just being simply unhappy with their jobs or their bosses or wanting uh, uh, to uh, or being more self-aware of their own strengths and weaknesses mm. and realizing that perhaps a, a job is not for them yeah yeah I, I think so, I really like your point there about there not being a a stereotypical profile. I mean, the, we often see, especially in, you know, recessionary times or crisis times that people do um, naturally move to become entrepreneurs, either because of redundancy or what have you. But I really like the, the insights that you've got about things like work-life balance or carrying on a family tradition or unhappiness in their role, or just realizing actually for my own self-fulfillment, I feel like I want to become an entrepreneur and, you know, and change, change my life circumstances, but also just to, to maybe fulfill an ambition in life. So it, it's really interesting to, to, to hear this. And going back to the research as well, um, there were other motives that was uh, being mentioned. So in a couple of cases, it was an opportunity uh, such as a management buyout. 
uh, for, oh. for for the team yeah. themselves. Uh, the opportunity was there. The owner wanted to exit, and therefore, uh, the management team just decided to buy him up or buy her out. Mm. Uh, or it could be something uh, such as you know they've done their research and they realize the gap in the market for an idea. Or one or two people also mentioned that they, they realized that while they were in a, a corporate job, they could actually make more money doing what they do as a self-employed person, as a consultant rather than an employee. So mm-hmm. um, for all these reasons, all these motives that crop that came out in our interviews, I would say it, it, there's not there's not a fixed stereotypical profile. Mm-hmm. Definitely not. Yeah. Did you um, did you find that? some of the your the business owners that you interviewed uh, perhaps launched their business with maybe with rose tinted glasses and maybe underestimated some of the challenges absolutely and i think one of the good things uh, the positives about um, being an entrepreneur or a business owner uh, and going along that journey is that you start a process of uh, learning more about yourself. You have to because you're put in a position where you have to lead yourself, your team, your business. So you are the leader. Mm-hmm. Um, and that requires a certain amount of self-awareness or, or understanding that you needed to cultivate some sort of a mindset to be able to manage all of these many balls very well Uh, and so at the end of it even if it doesn't turn out to be a successful business you most definitely will become a more self-aware dare I say a better individual because of the experience. Mm -hmm. Absolutely I was um, thinking to myself based on what you were saying about you know the importance of having to become a leader and cultivating that identity and not just cultivating that identity, but also, you know, developing the vision so that you can take people with you on that journey, be those you know, employees or suppliers or customers. It's being able to inspire others to, to get behind your, your business. Definitely. Yes. And, and uh, even if, you know, at the end of the day, we go back to our day jobs and that can very well happen to, to all these corporate escapees that we see who are now starting to run their own businesses when they realize some of them may realize that then, you know, perhaps it's not for them. They go back to the day jobs, going back to the corporate lives, you know, it, 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 they can use these skills that they've cultivated, the mindsets that they've cultivated and put it to really good use within their own organizations. Absolutely. Any further maybe pitfalls or challenges that you picked up on in your in the personal stories of of these businesses? Yeah, actually, um, yeah. Bef- before we go on to pitfall, if I pitfalls, if I may mention, um, there was one more motive which cropped up in our interviews, our research with hmm. with these business owners, and self awareness was. Um, uh, one of the motives that pop up. What do I mean by that? Well, I, I think uh, some of these business owners uh, who told us that they've started their own business because they they realize that they dislike being told what to do. Uh, mm. In their own words, they don't like being told what to do, or they simply want more control over their own lives, or they sort of feel they deserve more and and they can achieve more. I think uh, so. Th- it's just an awareness of oneself, mm. uh, you know, that that they could they 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 don't they're not really cut out for that sort of life 
Um, and I think that was one of the uh, important motives that made them do the switch uh, from uh, uh, corporate life to business owner. So, um, yeah, so with that, um, yeah, uh, pitfalls you were asking me early on. I think this is a huge topic and um, really depends on the stage of business they're in, I suppose, the industry they're in and, and also the owner's mindset uh, when they're managing these pitfalls or these challenges. Um, I, I guess from memory, I, I would say, and, and this is not based on any scientific analysis, I would say from the interviews, the conversations I've had with these people, um, Lack of planning and research was was one of the things that uh, crop up, um, making bad decisions, bad business decisions, uh, and they regretted it, um, and uh, uh, not investing in themselves enough to cultivate the right mindset, or not taking advice early on in 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 the business, um, that came up as well quite often. Mm. Uh, that they should have taken advice much earlier on, uh, should have found a mentor. Yeah, uh, and also lack of confidence in some of them, um, and also a few had mentioned that they they have the product knowledge, but then they lack the selling or the marketing skills, which then held them back at the beginning of their entrepreneurial journey. So I, I think these were the things that they mentioned, the pitfalls, or the challenges they faced. Yeah, uh, I think that's a really important point. You know, when somebody has a deep understanding of the engineering or the technology or the service and they can become locked in a product or service focused mindset rather than thinking, okay, so, so this is good and you know, we created something good here. So what mm. would make that appealing to a customer? What, what would it take to encourage that customer to buy that product and service and not just buy that product and service, but buy it over somebody else's? <laughs> so um, yeah, yes. I, I think that that final point is, is especially important, I feel, where maybe an over-reliance on core competence or core core skill that somebody has and are not realizing that you need to become multi multi-skilled and multifaceted to run the business side of the uh, the enterprise yeah absolutely and i think that's really quite key because um for me personally coming from the corporate environment and realizing that I was just a cog in the, in the wheel and just doing my bit every day, being specialized in my one little bit and not really understanding or communicating enough with other departments. That's often uh, a failure in communication between say the product team and the sales team and the marketing team, mm. not really communicating enough to coming from the environment to then running, running my own business was, um, was a real eye-opener because then I realized that I have to connect the dots, so to speak, as Steve mm. Jobs would say. You have to really connect the dots. It's not good enough to be a brilliant software developer. It's not good enough to be a brilliant HR consultant managing people, but you really need to connect the dots. And, and that skill, I, I realized that skill was really, really important when you run your own startup. Mm. Um, you don't necessarily have to possess all those skills. None of us would, but would have that ability. But realizing what you need, what you lack, and then going yeah. out there to get it. And that, that comes back to you know what you were saying before about self-awareness and also coming back to cultivating the mindset. And I guess 
before you can cultivate the mindset, you've got to know what you need. And I think that that point about you're no longer a specialized corporate cog in a wheel. You're, you're, the, you're the axis that has to connect all of, all of the different cogs of the business together and coordinate all of that. So, and oftentimes you're, you're, you're playing the role of several, several cogs as well. So that's I think, right. Yeah, I, re, I think that is a really important sort of light bulb moment, I think, for anybody considering this, this jump and this transition. No, that's fantastic. I mean, maybe with that in my mind, it's, it's maybe a good time to move to my, to my third and final question, which is, you know, what advice would you give to those in corporate jobs or in nine to five jobs that are considering the escape and to take the plunge to become a business owner? Sure, yeah. Uh, so apart from all that we've just discussed, um, as a marketer myself, I, w- I would say that if you have an idea, then it's always good to research it first and test it with the audience that you are planning on attracting, on selling it to, to see how they will respond. So that's the first thing I, I, I would do if I mm-hmm. uh, were to become a startup with an idea. Yeah. Um, it's not it's not really good enough as we know to just have an idea but we really need to test it but I would say when testing it be careful about relying your research on friends on ex-colleagues and and family even especially if they're not your intended audience Um, and I Mm. think we have to be really careful about relying too much on that unless of course they are your audience Um, and really going out there uh, find the audience that that you think will buy your idea and really test so go to strangers going to going out there and finding them and then asking them these questions that's really important um i think it goes against our human instinct to rely on people that we know yeah yeah yeah, yeah. absolutely yeah it's funny this this reminds me of um the, the the podcast and chats that i had with peter harrington who um host of the um, Startup Survival podcast and also the, the, the founder of, the, of SimVenture. And he was saying uh, along the same lines, you've got, you've got to be ready to accept rejection. You've got to, be, you've got to go to people that are going to be your customers, not to friends. You know, and as, as you really well, well put it, is go to your intended audience and test your product with, with the right people or, or the, otherwise you're more likely to have a false understa- a false image or a false understanding of how well the product or service might do. So I, I think I can link with Peter's thought here on, you know, being, being willing to accept rejection, I think is, is, or not being willing to accept it is probably part of the reason why we go for the comfort blanket and often talk to family, mm-hmm. talk to friends, talk to ex colleagues, when really what we need is good, honest, possibly brutal, you know, advice from yeah. our, from our true audience. So I, I could absolutely echo your, your point there. Yes. And um, yeah, definitely. And, and I, I would say also, if, if you're reasonably confident after testing it, I mean, we, we can't be hundred percent confident uh, with, a, with the idea as, as that rarely happens, but if we're reasonably confident after testing it, then I would say, go start, you know, as that way you can then tweak it and then you can then refine it as you go along. Even if, even if that means having to change your business model completely as we te- tweak and go along, um, 
you know, until we start, we don't really know. True. So, yeah, absolutely. I, that, that, that's a great point about you, you, you will never truly know until you start. And I, I like the idea of, okay, you know, you've tested the audience, just go and start the thing. Because I think a lot of people that I've spoken to um, can get trapped in this testing cycle and they test and they find and test and they find and then they na- actually never launch. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. But you need, yeah, you have to sort of take that step, but at, at the same time, not being wedded to your ways. So, you know, tweaking, refining, pivoting, or improvising, um, you know, making adjustments. And actually, in a future podcast, we're going to be talking about imp- improvising and improvisation. So I think that's, that's, a nice, um, that's a nice link there, because you have to be ready to do that and, you know, make adjustments to... The, the, the dynamic feedback that you're getting from your from your customers and and i i would like to quote from an entrepreneur who uh, during one of my interviews he told me that starting a business is really a series of structured and controlled experiments in all aspects of the business and that's exactly what it is during the mm. startup stage that's a really interesting way of thinking about it you hear um, terms like um, you know scaling fast or fast failing you know try something if it doesn't work adjust move on but i like the idea of thinking instead of the series of structured thought through experiments because then at least there is um there is a goal behind every step that you're taking and it and it's making your business incrementally better so i I think this Mm -hmm. this concept of structured experiments a series of structured experiments is a really good um good way of thinking about how to to go forward and without you know over escalating your risks and commitment but also not just taking pivots or adjustments at the first sign of a problem you know know what you're trying to achieve and what hypothesis about your business that you're testing so absolutely i think that's a that's a fantastic insight yeah, and yes, I, I mean, I can't take credit for that, Matt. It was uh, somebody else who told me about it, but <laughs> I, I thought it just stuck with me at the time. And and yeah. he also used the word controlled, which is a wise thing to do because um, unless we've got huge pots of funding coming in and we can burn through all that money and, and get some more, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> which isn't going to happen in most cases, mm-hmm. I think controlled experiments is, is the way to go, really, so that we're not going to lose all you know that pot of often quite limited pot of money that we have mm-hmm. uh to grow our business organically you know so I, I think it's quite important to manage it and to monitor these experiments well and to know where to stop and tweak it when we need to yeah absolutely for everybody listening this is certainly a, a truism that most of the time what kills off a business is a lack of cash flow and that can come from both a lack of sales, but also simply wasting money and not spending it wisely. And on and this idea of controlled experiments is a good way of making sure that there is some prudence behind the actions that are being taken, and that it's working towards you know a positive end for the business. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and I think that's the only way to be hundred percent certain, really, if, if that idea that you've tested will actually work with the audience. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and and this process can take years to to for you to to become for one to become hundred percent certain that the idea will take off or will actually work. 
Great. Well, Joyce, thank you so much for all those um, rich insights. Maybe if you um, just give me a couple of moments, I'll just try and summarize what I think are some of the key takeaways that I, I've you know, captured from, from your talk. And I think the first thing is the idea of you know, developing a mindset for starting a business. And that means being self-aware about your strengths and limitations and also being self-aware about what you will need to become a leader and lead the business and realize that you're no longer one cog in a much bigger wheel, but needing to join the dots, needing to coordinate the, the business. And that comes from resourcing to going beyond your, um, let's say, engineering or technical skills and, and bringing in you know, the marketing skills, especially that are needed to move the business forward. And by extension, that means investing in yourself. So take advice from others. Think of that as crucial to cultivating your mindset. And again, that also links to you know, over, overcoming where you lack confidence and where you lack skills. And often, or not, often that is around sales and, and marketing. And at the same time, researching the business. And in researching the business, make sure that you are testing it with the right kind of audiences, your intended audiences, and, and not going for the comfort blanket like family, uh, friends, and, and former colleagues. And then mm -hmm. finally, I think the final point, which I think this all just ties in quite nicely, is this concept of, so you've tested, go for launch, but it, when you're doing that, have a plan. You know, Think about what steps and controlled experiments that you can make to make sure that you are de-risking the business while enabling growth. So I think those are the four takeaways that I uh, that I take from from you here. So I hope uh, I hope you agree. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, I mean, did we dis discuss all of that? I guess we did, didn't we? Yeah, we did. <laughs> well, that was a really really good sum. That's a good summary of it. Yeah, and thank yeah. you for that, Matt. Um, if I could mention just one more thing, if if sure. I may, Please I hope do. we're not running out of time. Um, is I feel that's also quite important and personally for me as well. Um, and I think for, for the startups out there that are planning to, 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 to run with the idea, um, I think it's important to get rid of that ego um, mm. if you're coming from a corporate environment. And that's the one thing that, that stopped me or hindered me. Um, and and I, again, I'll quote from another entrepreneur mm. who calls it the hubris of corporate life. And that really is it, the hubris of corporate life. So unless you have a huge pot of investment coming in and you could have a you know, nice big office and, and, and all of that, which most of us don't when we first start, um, having an ego won't really help you prepare for all the ups and downs of running a business. It'll probably hinder you as, as it had hindered me in the beginning. Mm. Mm -hmm. So, um, so I think uh, with that, I'll, I'll shut up now. <laughs> ah, no, not at all, Joyce. Thank you so much. I will, actually, again, you've been fortunate to have such wonderful um, interviewees because they've given great insights here. That that concept of hubris of corporate life, I really like that concept. And one of the things that has struck me in almost everybody that I've spoken to so far and interviewed is how crucial it is to develop trust and develop good relationships with the people that you work with, the people that will become, you know, your suppliers and customers. And I think hubris would, would definitely, and the ego for sure would, would get in the way uh, um, of those things. So, yeah, I think, um, mm -hmm. 
you know, leaving the ego at the corporate door is a good place, <laughs> good, good place to maybe uh, yeah. to end it. So, well, Joyce, honestly, thank you so much for um, for your time and and sharing these wonderful insights. And I'm I'm sure our listeners will be able to take a lot from this and maybe you know reflect on themselves and think, yeah, I want I want to give this a try and. Uh, and hopefully that will encourage a few more corporate SKBs and a few more business owners. So thank you. I hope so. I hope so. Thanks for having me, Matt. Thank you so much, Joyce. Take care.